You're listening to Equipped, the preaching ministry of First Baptist Dry Prong in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Today we continue going through the book of 1 Corinthians. We're in chapter 7. This message is entitled Relationships and Lies. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. Forward to continuing through the book of 1 Corinthians today. Somewhat of a challenging passage. Um, Requires a little bit of courage to, to speak on today. I don't know if I've ever heard a message from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, but I'm going to let the text kind of speak for itself. So I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Can you believe it's already January 14th? Boy, this year is already going by quick. What happens a month from a day? Y'all know? Dollar General knows they've known it ever since before Christmas. They've got all the Valentine's Day stuff out. Boy, I tell you, I used to hate Valentine's Day. Used to, uh, you know, many years ago when I was a student, even after that, I would get with my friends and we would jokingly call it Singles Awareness Day. Because we just hated, hated Valentine's Day. It was like a day where the whole world microscoped you uh, for, for being single, not having a, a wife, not having a girlfriend or anything like that. And y'all have to understand, I am from a little town in Winsboro, Louisiana. And in Winsboro, if you are not married and you don't have a kid by 25, people start looking at you kind of funny. That sounds crazy, but it's true. I didn't get married till I was 28. I had several girlfriends. And it's just one of those things that our culture has kind of embraced. That there's something wrong with a young man or young woman that's not married. And in our culture, it's even went as far as, hey, if they're not married to somebody of the opposite sex, they should be married to somebody of the same sex. Relationships. As we get close to Valentine's Day, that's one of the things that we have questions about. Who should I marry? Should I marry? Is there something wrong with me if I'm single? Paul is going to address some of these things in chapter 7 because this very early church, they had some of the same questions that you and I have about this sort of thing today. So we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians. We've read about unity. We've read about division. We've read about spiritual wisdom. Uh, We read about being servants of Christ. Last week, we read about Christian liberty. We kind of ended last week where Paul uh, told them, you know, to flee sexual immorality, that your body is not your own. You were bought with a price. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we kind of begin a new section of the book. And I say it's a new section Because Paul begins addressing questions that this church had written him. 1 Corinthians 7.1 begins this way. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me. These new believers, they looked up to Paul. He's an apostle. He is walking the walk. He is talking the talk. He planted the church. So naturally, if you have doctrinal questions, you are going to go to the one who seems to know it all. So Paul, in the next coming chapters, he is going to address questions about uh, marriage, questions about being a widow or a widower, questions about eating meat that may be in sacrifice to idols, questions about the resurrection. But in today's passage, 
It's going to be specifically principles on marriage or being single if you're single. So I want to kind of walk through the text this morning. I'm going to take my time and I hope God's word will speak to you today. First Corinthians 7 1 says this now concerning the things of which you wrote to me. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Skip down to verse 7. For I wish that all men were even as myself. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. This first truth I want to address this morning is something that I think we could all stand to be reminded of. Is that there's nothing wrong with singleness. Singleness is not sinfulness. You see, Paul is answering hard questions that have arose out of this early church. Questions about marriage. And one of the things that has come up, well, is it worth it to be married? Should I even pursue marriage? Maybe being celibate is the way to go. After all, our Lord and Savior was never married. And Paul, when he says in verse 7 that I wish all men were as myself, and he says in verse 8 that I wish they remain even as I am, we deduct from that that at this time, at least when Paul was writing the letter, at this time, Paul himself was single. So if you want to be like Paul, if you want to be like Jesus... Maybe I shouldn't get married. Maybe I should stay single. And Paul replying to this says right at the beginning, yes, it is good. It is a good thing for somebody to remain this way. As a matter of fact, I wish that everybody would be just like me. It's desirable. It's good, but it's not required. So church, I think it's a good idea to take note of this. Because one of the lies, I call this message relationships and lies, because one of the lies that's being spread in our culture today is that everybody, there's somebody for everybody, and there is somebody for everybody, but that somebody isn't necessarily somebody of opposite sex, that somebody is Jesus. That's the relationship we're all meant to have. It's a good idea to take note of this and realize that marriage just isn't in the cards for every Christian. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ himself taught on this in Matthew 19. In Matthew 19, 11, Jesus said, All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have, been, who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. What Jesus is saying here, what is a eunuch? A eunuch is somebody that can't have relationships with somebody of the opposite sex. And Jesus is saying that, hey, sometimes God makes people this way and sometimes people choose to be this way. We need to realize that singleness is not sinfulness. We need to minister to single adults. We need to encourage single adults to serve. Marriage is not a requirement of the Christian. In today's culture, we've come to a point where Christians have just embraced the idea that, hey, either you're straight or you're homosexual. But the Bible breaks it down as married or single. We should never, ever, ever let this church be a place where the unmarried, 
the single feel unwelcomed or out of place because the Bible says that singles have great, great, great things to contribute to the kingdom. Jesus said it. Paul said said it. I'm saying it. If you're like me, you probably know people like this. I know a young lady who's 39. She's just a few months younger than me. She's never been married. She never has kids. Never had kids. To my knowledge, she has no real desire to. Yet she serves her church faithfully, her community faithfully. Nothing is wrong with her. She is living the life she is called to live, making a kingdom impact. I know two older uh, ladies that live in Monroe. They're sisters. They live together. They've never had a desire to be married. Both of them serve their church faithfully. I know men the same way. So look, I, I want to take a moment to just say this today because I think we've really missed the mark on this. And I really want you to notice Paul's words. Paul knows, I, I believe scholars are kind of uh, divided on whether Paul was ever married, but I believe Paul was married at one point. And Paul says, look, I wish that everybody would be like me. I wish that everybody would not get married and they would just give them lives to the kingdom's sake. But he says, but each one has his own gift from God. In this, we see hearts, uh, Paul's heart. He's humble and he understands. He goes, look, I wish everybody would be like me, but I know they're not. So we, as parents, as grandparents... One of the things that we desire is to see our children and our grandchildren live the life we live. We want to see them have children. We want to see them have a spouse. But we need to be humble and realize that, hey, that might not be their calling and we need to be okay with that. You can apply this today by not looking funny at or treating older singles different, especially as Valentine's Day is approaching. And if you're here today and you're listening or you're listening to the podcast or you're watching online, if you're older and you're single and you have no desire to be married, it does not mean that there's anything wrong with you. It doesn't mean that God's placed you in the wrong body. It doesn't mean that you need to go and God forbid consider mutilating your body through a gender transition surgery. No, it could mean that God has granted you the gift Paul calls it a gift of singleness. A gift to have a relationship with Christ alone. And there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible says it's a good thing. Some of you in here today are probably like I was at one point. God, send me to Pakistan. Give me anything else. Don't give me the gift of singleness. I don't want to remain this way. I want to be married. And let me just say to you, I believe if that's the case, God will send you a spouse. I believe you'll know if it's not in the cards for you to be married. But Paul doesn't stop there. He addresses them and he says, look, it's okay if you don't want to get married. It's, it's fine. But if you do, if you do get married, if you are going to be married, this is how relationships should look within the confines of marriage. Because like we said last week, anything given by God needs to be respected, respected by God. Relationships should happen within the confines of marriage. And this is what he says, verses 2 through 7. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, because of this temptation, because I just told you to flee it, the, verse, the chapter before, let each man have his own wife, 
and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does, and likewise the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. And come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. What I would say the second truth of this text, Paul's teaching on marriage is this. Don't hold back from one another, husband and wife, unless agreed upon by one another. Paul's explaining here in these verses what the physical relationship between the husband and the wife should look like. It's the picture of a Christian marriage. It's the picture of a Christian wife and a Christian husband being so selfless that they, that they say, even look, my, my very body, everything is yours. God has always intended marriage to be between one man and one woman for life. Paul is being blunt and he's saying that both the husband and the wife should freely give themselves to each other unless they agreed to abstain from each other. And I cannot tell you as a pastor how tempting it is to avoid talking about this. It's incredibly awkward. Maybe that's why I've never heard a sermon from it that I can remember in my life. But church, I, I want to share with you this passage, just like everything else, it's in our Bibles for a reason. We live in a time today where so many marriages start and they fail. And many marriages are ruined today. Maybe because pastors skip over something like this. Many marriages are torn apart today because the wife or the husband holds their bodies from their spouse. And when that happens, the other spouse seeks self-gratification elsewhere. They might go to a co-worker. They might go to a friend. They might go to a website. They might get on their phone. And church, there's a reason Paul says, look, give yourself freely to each other if you're married. It's not biblical to do such a thing. The biblical model is considering your spouse's physical needs and spiritual needs. Look, God saw all the way back at the beginning of the time it was not good for man to be alone. So He created a helper for him, a helpmate. He created them male and female. Male and female, He created them. He created sex and it's what God created and it must be enjoyed within the confines of God's design. And His design is for humans to either be married or be single. And I just want to tell you, look at this and think about it for a second. The Christian marriage is the best marriage. This is why Christian marriages stand the test of time. This is why Christian marriages last and go on. You can apply this today by enjoying your marriage, enjoying your wife, enjoying your husband, but not just the physical relationship together. Because Paul hits on something very important, that there is a spiritual aspect to this relationship together as well. Giving yourselves to fasting and praying together. 
Spend time together fasting. Spend time together praying. You should care about your spouse because they are literally a part of you. The Bible says two shall become one flesh. That's what a Christian marriage looks like. More and more and more can be said, but I just want to stop there because that's all the text says today. Let's continue reading. Here's another tricky question that Paul addresses. And let's read verses 10 through 16. He says, Now to the married, for those of you that are married, I command, yet not I, but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. But to the rest I say, not the Lord's say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Central idea here, Paul is telling the husband and the wives to stick it through. But look, this is a a tricky situation. Situation is this, suppose you get married, you and your spouse, and you both get married, and you're both lost. Suppose you're both atheists. And then somewhere in your marriage, five, maybe ten years in, you get gloriously saved. Well, you know, the Bible states that you're supposed to be equally yoked. And now here you are, And there's a pretty girl in your Sunday school class. Well, maybe God's just opening the door for you to abandon your marriage. And Paul's saying, no, that's that's not right. You stay with your spouse, even if they are an unbeliever. Unless your spouse commits adultery on you, you stick it through. Paul also says, if your spouse leaves you due to you becoming a Christian... Then let them go. But if they stay with you by living for Christ, your spouse will watch you grow. They'll watch you become somebody else. And odds are, as time goes on, they will want what you have. Church, let me just tell you, this happens This happens a lot. It happened a lot in this day and time. And it happens a lot in today's time as well. A spouse is saved. And you talk about hardship. It's hardship in marriage when this happens. Because the spouse didn't sign up for all this. All of a sudden, their husband or their wife, they're saved. And now they're talking different. Now they're dressing different. Now they have a new set of friends. Now they're going to Bible studies. Now they're going and hanging out with these church folks. And it's like they're married to a different person. And let me just tell you, if that's you today, newsflash, you are married to a different person because the Bible says you're a new creature in Christ. 
And at first when this happens, they don't like it. They don't like it because it's somebody opposite than they married. It's somebody opposite than they are. But then they realize that no matter what they do, there is nothing they can do to change this. Whatever has happened to that person is there and it's not changing. And then as time goes along, if they're being honest, they realize that the person their spouse is becoming is actually better than the person they married before in the first place. Wait a minute, my husband, he used to not take time to pray for me. He used to not make time for me. He used to not care about the family. He used to only care about himself. And now he's become a somebody else. And I, I'm not comfortable with it, but I cannot lie. It looks like he's becoming somebody better. And then as time goes along, they begin to want what their spouse has And the spouse gets to lead the other spouse to Christ. And church, I'll just tell you, Paul knew what he was talking about here. I will tell you, I've seen firsthand in ministry where a spouse who is saved makes the hard decision to stick it through. They pray. And they pray and they pray and they persevere. They get up early and the the wife or the husband, they bring their children to church alone. While dad or mom's at home doing something totally different or they're on the deer stand or in the duck blind. And they persevere and they're wondering if their spouse even notices. It would be so easy to leave. There's somebody else out there, but they say, no, I'm going to stick it through because I love my spouse. They stick it through, they persevere, they pray, they wonder if their spouse even notices. And then one day, maybe years down the road, it's like a light switches on and the spouse gives their life to Christ. And then the happily ever after comes because the spouse made the decision to stick it through. Of all the examples I I can share with you this morning, of what we see in Scripture. This is one that I've seen happen over and over and over and over again. Adult comes to Christ. The spouse is uncomfortable. And the spouse just stays faithful to Jesus. And then eventually the other spouse comes around. Apply this today by not giving up. Stick it through. Don't give up, wife. Don't give up, husband. Don't give up on your spouse. For that matter, don't give up on your parents. Don't you give up and don't you give in. Let others see Jesus in you. Let others see Jesus through you. And I guarantee you, it might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be five years from now. But I guarantee you, if you stick it through, one day the day will come when that spouse, that parent, will likely want what you have. Paul says, stick it through. It's worth it to stick it through. That's what Paul has to say about relationships. So a lot we can learn with this. Be okay with people being single. Don't force your children to get married. Don't pressure them. And don't hold them back from them. Getting married whenever the time comes to. Widows and widowers, it is perfectly Fine to be remarried. We also see that in the text as well. But it's also perfectly fine 
to remain single as Paul was. You know, as I read this, Paul spends so much time talking about relationships. And as I read this, this is what I'm reminded, is that all of human life, from the very minute we're born to the time we close our eyes in death, every bit of human life is really about one thing. It's about relationships. Relationships with our parents. Relationships with our friends. If we're married, relationships with our spouses. It's funny, I told you how much I hated Valentine's Day. And I remember looking back, remember, and I remember thinking, Oh, Lord, man, whenever I get a wife, boy, everything is going to be perfect. Then it's all going to work out and be just right. Because that's, that's what I need. That's the American dream, right? How many of you know that relationships are good, but relationships are hard too? And I remember thinking, if boy, if the kids would ever come, boy, everything would just fall in place. Relationships with children. And they're all good things, but they're all complicated things. But church, I want to just sum it up today by telling you this. The most important relationship. It's not good that man should be alone. But the most important relationship. The one relationship that I want you all to have. Is a relationship with Jesus. A relationship that Mally just sang about. The goodness of God. I've known Him as a father. I've known Him as a friend. Christ wants a relationship with you. He wants to be more intimate with you than even your spouse. He knows you better than your spouse. He knows you better than your parents. He wants to lead you, to guide you, and direct you in the paths of righteousness. This man that wants a relationship with you, the risen Savior, he loves you so much that he gave his life for you. He took on all the sin of the world so that you may have his righteousness. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I don't care if you're ever married. I don't care if you ever have children. I don't care if you remain single. I don't care if you remain as a widow or a widower. If you want to pursue marriage, that's fine and that's great. I'm happy to counsel you. But what I do care about more than anything, I care deeply, 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 deeply that you have a relationship with Jesus. I pray that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that you start one today. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you know that there is nothing wrong with singleness. Singleness is not sinfulness. I hope if you're married, you won't hold back from one another unless agreed on by each other. Hope you'll stick it through with your spouse, even if they are an unbeliever. And most importantly, I hope of all the relationships you have, I hope you have a relationship with Jesus. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great week. Come join us for worship at First Baptist Drop Prong. We're right here about 20 miles north of Alexandria off of 167. We meet every Sunday for worship at 10 a.m. Have a great week.